This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning. I'm Kathy Buckworth, your go-to grandma, and this is episode number 66 of our radio show and podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me on a Saturday morning on Zoomer Radio or anytime on the podcast. In a sense, this whole show is an advertisement for being a grandparent. The joys, the challenges, the opportunities, desires, needs, and demands. I hope that our core pillars of fun and facts both meets the needs of our listeners, but is also approached in an authentic and respectful way. I don't always feel that the advertising and marketing to our community is done in an authentic and respectful way. And that's why I'm glad I have marketing guru Tony Chapman on the show today to give us his insight into what advertisers are doing right and wrong for the grandparent or for the over 55 crowd in general. He'll also share some thoughts about how important it is for us to be cyber aware and resilient when we are being target marketed. Resiliency is something that we feel we might gain mentally as we age. But what about our physical resilience? One of the best things we can do for ourselves in trying to stay healthy is to eat healthy, of course. I have Janet Nizon, the founder of Rainbow Plate, on the show today. And she's going to tell us how their programs and tools have engaged more than 20,000 children and adults to cultivate positive relationships with food and eating. Eating is something that will definitely be on the mind of our American friends in a couple of weeks as they celebrate Thanksgiving. And you can't think about American Thanksgiving without thinking about Black Friday, the day when it seems like everything goes on sale, especially in the U.S. Our Take 5 with RBC interview today will focus on how to get the most out of your cross-border shopping, whether you're doing it online or in person. It's no mystery why I'm calling this episode Market More, as we look at how we are marketed to, how we can make the most of our food choices and our dollars. I'm in the market right now for my morning cup of coffee, so grab your beverage of choice, sit back, and wait for the fun and facts to fill you up. I'm Kathy Buckworth. You're listening to Go To Grandma. Tony Chapman is up first. Tony Chapman is an inductee into the Marketing Hall of Legends and the Canadian Marketing Hall of Fame, a testament to a career where he founded two internationally renowned communications agencies and a research firm. Ten years ago, he sold his interest to speak his mind at conferences and in the media. Tony has inspired audiences as a speaker and conference host worldwide. In the media, Tony frequently contributes to the conversation and hosts a primetime radio show and podcast called Chatter That Matters. Good morning, Tony Chapman. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm such a fan. I have to say right away, you recently became a grandparent. Congratulations. Tell me about it. It's a grandson, I believe. Grandson, Maxwell Jude, uh, my daughter who lives in San Francisco, and her husband, Ryan. And, you know, they had this beautiful child who you fall in love with immediately, but with it comes all the angst of, <laughs> oh my God, what is the planet going to be like a hundred years from now? And you know, what kind of world are we bringing them up in? And all the things that I think obviously go through parents' minds constantly, but it turns out grandparents aren't immune as well. You're absolutely right. I have two grandsons. I totally get you. So it changes the way you view the world, doesn't it? Absolutely. You, you know, you, it's things where you go, wow, the world's changing. You know, thank God I was, you know, I did what I did when I did and all, you know, looking back, but looking forward and seeing kind of the headwinds that, humanity's facing, it really does open your mind to saying, you know, these kids 
uh, and not just the kids who just got born, but, you know, the, the young generation deserve to have the same opportunities we did. And when I look at a country as wealthy as Canada with our resources, and I wonder how have we, as the boomers, squandered, you know, fallen in love with entitlements, borrowed so much money on their backs to benefit our backs. And I, it just, all of it just creates a bit of, a little bit of angst, but also at the same time, hoping that, as always, humanity will pull through and right. and create a better place. I think we have that perspective sometimes, too. And, you know, I, I, a sentence of yours here that I've written down was, the boomers have always been an economic boom, but no one is paying attention. That kind of plays off what you've just been saying in terms of feeling fortunate about, you know, where you were in that time and place. So as boomers, how are we portrayed in the media, Tony? And is it fair? <laughs> You know, I think we're, you know, the thing about boomers is you're, you're creating a, a terminology for everybody. And I think that, you know, each individual has different set of values. But if I was going to term it as boomers, I would say that as boomers, we tend to vote for the things that are in it for us. Mm. And, when I, and, and even though we know running a household, you can't get away with boring and on top of boring. And even though we know we have to prioritize what we can afford as individuals, when it comes to the boomer generation in terms of casting ballots, we tend to throw all of that out, any sense of financial literacy, and just kind of really lean into what's in it for me. Where am I going to get the best deal? And I, I think that's we're not going to be remembered well for that because right. ultimately our generations are going to come after us. We'll never put a, a dent, never take a penny off the debt that we've incurred. And I, and I don't want to sound depressing, but the <laughs> math is they'll spend their lifetime servicing that debt. And, and, you know, most of that debt didn't go to infrastructure or a future economy or setting up a better place. A lot of it went for, you know, cutting our taxes or, you know, it, spending on things that we just didn't spend well on or squandering and wasting a lot of money. So I think that that's what we're going to be known for. We're going to be known for the, the boomer generation that had it all, but borrowed it all. What about those boomers, Tony, that don't have, you know, the excess funds and things like that, and they really, they want to get products marketed to them in a respectful way, in a responsible way, things that maybe that we really do need? What should companies be thinking about when they market to people sort of 55 plus? You know, it's a great question. I mean, so much ageism is in marketing where we tend to ignore this generation that is, still has, you know, size and numbers, size and wealth. And very often it's it's almost portrayed, you know, the old couple mm-hmm. under the acorn tree or they, you know, the smiling grandparents where, you know, and I give so much credit to your organization, your platform, you know, 60s and new 40, 80s and new 60. You know, these people want to live. They want to experience life. They want to be relevant. They want to be tech savvy. They want to be connected. They want to be informed. They want to do things that they always dreamed of doing but never had the courage to do. And yet, when you see it from a marketer, it's almost like you're marketing, in, in many, many cases, you're to a lower common denominator. You know, that, that person is just smiling and so happy to see this brand arrive. Right. And my advice always to marketers is stop trying to be the hero of the story. Be the Yoda. Help the boomer get to where they want to go. Help them put a smile on their face. Find a place to belong. Feel safe and secure. Pursue life. Travel. Whatever's in their quest in life. If you're the brand helping them get there and showing that you care and have empathy, you'll succeed. If you're the brand that's just trying to impose your way into their life, you're going to fail. And that's what we see time and time again.
And I agree. And just to toot the Zoomer horn a bit, when I pitched this show, I said, this is not a show about aging. This is a show about today's grandparents. This is a show about what we're doing right now. And it's everything from fitness to fun to technology to travel. And they got it right away. The show was approved really quickly. So that branding here works, I think. And you touched on something just now, which was talking about being sort of cyber aware or knowing what's out there in the marketplace in terms of how we're marketed to. They showed this age group as not being very cyber aware or resilient. So how important is is it for us to really sort of address that? I just did a podcast with Sarah and Brian Baumler mm-hmm. on this because they have aging parents and they have children. And both of those are very vulnerable target groups. Yes. Aging population being fish, CRAs calling, uh, the latest one, which is just horrific, you know, uh, where you're, you're emailing the grandparents, you know, hi, grandparent, hi, granddad. Oh, they're horrible. I'm in trouble. Yeah. I need money right away. I mean, this is, this is horrific fraud. But to, just to give you a sense of perspective, by 2025, cybercrime will be $10 trillion, bigger than all other crime combined. Wow. And the seniors are very vulnerable to it because they're very easy to scare because they just haven't grown up as confident around digital as their grandchildren and mm-hmm. children have. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So we have to, you know, I have aging parents, I have grown children, and I have young grandchildren. It's all of those groups that we need to address going forward. I love your show, Chatter That Matters, Tony. As you had mentioned to me, it's all about positivity and moving things forward. And anyone who gets a chance to listen to it, please tune in to Tony's show, either on the podcast or on the radio. And you can find Tony, of course, all over social media under Tony Chapman, or you can go to chatterthatmatters.ca for more of this information. Thanks so much for coming on. On the show today and congratulations again on your grandson thank you and thank you for doing what you're doing positivity and possibility we're far from ready for the uh for, to be buried we, this is a generation that wants to do a lot you've got so it thanks a lot thanks tony take care Janet Neeson is a proud mom of three young adults and a grandma to two little ones. She's the founder of Rainbow Plate, a social enterprise with a mission to make healthy eating simple and fun for kids and the adults who teach and care for them. Rainbow Plate's joyful, colorful, and sensory-based approach to food is backed by evidence, including their own published research. It's been woven into simple and engaging tools and resources that help adults relax around food and inspire kids to cultivate positive relationships with food and eating. Since launching in 2012, Rainbow Plate programs and tools have engaged more than 20,000 children and adults across Canada and around the world. Good morning, Janet. Thanks so much for coming on GoToGrandma this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. So what is, you know, I'm using air quotes in the studio here, you can't see them, but what is healthy eating anyway? Big question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And when we hear the term healthy eating, I think the natural tendency is to jump right into the what. Like, these are the healthy foods, you know, that we should be eating. And people think of all these foods, which of course means that there are other foods that we kind of label as unhealthy, even if we have this other way of looking at them like every day and sometimes, especially when it comes to kids. And what happens is when we look at healthy eating in this term, we as parents and grandparents end up putting so much energy and working like crazy into getting all these healthy foods into our kids. And of course, those unhealthy foods that we've labeled, we sometimes restrict them or even forbid them. And that can get us down kind of a black hole of problems. And the things that we do as parents and grandparents with the best of intentions and the greatest love in wanting our kids to be healthy 
can kind of backfire. Yeah, and you talk about sort of a more joyful or colorful approach. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Exactly. Yeah. So for me, healthy eating is switching things up and not worrying so much about the what we're eating, but focusing on our kids' attitudes and behaviors around food and eating. Because in the end, if we start there, everything else falls into place. Mm -hmm. We need to think about our kids as future adults, right? Parenting and grandparenting is a long game. So healthy eating is really about having a relaxed and comfortable and joyful, as you said, a joyful relationship with food and eating. A healthy eater is a child who's comfortable being at the table and interested in food and eating uh, and able to find pleasure and joy in eating using all of their senses. They're even curious about food and open to trying new foods, which is something that is often challenging. And the message I think is, that's really key one in the back is food is healthy for us in so many ways that have nothing to do with nutrition. Food nourishes our hearts. It's how we connect with each other. It's how we create special memories together. Oh my goodness, as grandparents especially, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's how we care and how we show love. And if we start with this notion, the rest amazingly falls into place. So just call food food, you know, broccoli, cookies, ice cream, salmon, uh, and skip the labels. And healthy eating as a parent, as a grandparent, is really about focusing on setting your child up to feel comfortable and enjoy the experience of eating with you at the table. So as grandparents, we sometimes are responsible for the meal that actually goes in front of our grandkids. But, you know, mostly, obviously, it still belongs to the parents. So how could we handle, you know, if the approach of the way they feed the kids is different than the way that I might approach it? Yeah, this is so common. And I think so many stresses around between parents and grandparents come down to this, you know, disagreement and so on. I think the place to start is to remember that our family relationships matter above all, and we want to really make sure that we're protecting those. And things change. You know, the way kids are feeding their children today is different than how we fed our kids, and and I've experienced that as a grandparent, too. I think the place to start is to assume the best Mm. and, and trust your kids and what they're doing and respect them as parents and let them take the lead. As when you come up against something that's different, I always like to start by learning and seeking to understand what my kids are doing that's different and learn from it. I learned so much about baby led weaning when Mm -hmm. my granddaughter began that process and and my kids were following this method that I'd never even seen as a parent. And it was so amazing to see how beautiful it was. and, And I learned from that as well. I think as grandparents, it's important to stay in our lane and sort of, you know, sometimes smile and say, okay, and, you know, if we're asked for input, that's great, but, you know, don't volunteer because that can so often breed conflict, but sometimes we do need to talk about things, and and I think that's okay, and it's all good to say, well, help me understand, like, Mm -hmm. this seems really different, but if we are having that conversation about how we're feeding the kids and the grandkids to keep things really non-judgmental and to just ask and and to sort of take the position, well, how can I support you in reaching the goals that you have around feeding my grandchildren, your children? Um, There's a kind of a funny other rule, I think, that goes over this, and that sort of frequency matters. Mm -hmm. You know, if you as a grandparent are really a regular caregiver of your child, then it's super important that everything follows exactly how their parents are doing it. But I guess we all kind of know also if it's a once in a while thing, then there's kind of this, 
you know, what happens at grandma's house stays at grandma's house. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't subscribe. It sounds like you and I are definitely on the same page. And I loved baby-led weaning that my daughter also introduced to me with my grandsons. Yes. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and I thought, why did we not do this? Yeah, Honestly, well, we, didn't we, didn't we didn't know. And, yeah. you know, I agree, you know, in terms of uh, different approaches to food. My daughter and son-in-law and their two kids are all vegan, and I am not. So we certainly yeah. have had different approaches. I 100% support them in the way that they're doing it. So this, you know, how do I get my grandkids to eat more vegetables? Not a concern with my vegan grandkids. I'm just mm-hmm. going to throw it there. But in general, how can we get grandkids to eat more vegetables? I mean, it's the universal question that all parents and everyone wants to eat. And, and you're speaking to a woman who spent years and years working with kids in rainbows of beautiful vegetables. And I have watched thousands and thousands of kids happily devour bucket loads of cabbage and peppers and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, you can't get anyone to eat anything. And the less we stop pushing and pressuring, the more simply it all starts to happen. It kind of goes back to what I was talking about in in terms of what's healthy eating. So the big tip is don't pressure anyone Mm -hmm. to eat anything. Skip the focus on these are healthy foods and you should eat them. But in fact, really focus on that global approach to meals and keeping things relaxed and positive at mealtimes, make it pleasant, eat what you eat and make your family's foods for your kids, of course, respecting their, their diet plans. But food, food experiences can be this beautiful way to connect with our grandkids and teach them your history and culture and your family's favorite foods, and there's usually veggies in there too. And then, you know, the whole work that I've done for years with Rainbow Plate has been focused on providing all kinds of other opportunities for kids to be curious and explore and learn about food using all of their senses. And when we go to your website or certainly to your social media pages, the pictures that you have of these rainbow plates are absolutely gorgeous, all the different colors of the rainbow. And if we want to see those, we can go to rainbowplate.com and we can find you on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Rainbow Plate as well. Thank you so much for this, Janet Nees, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Kathy. A pleasure as always. Take care. Danny DeMartin holds over 30 years of banking and financial planning experience and is an expert in cross-border banking. Danny supports financial services employees at RBC as they provide expert advice and service tailored to the Canadian clients that work, play, shop, or stay in the U.S. She is passionate about her role as a future snowbird in Florida with her spouse and three grown children and enjoys shopping in the U.S. both online and in person. Good morning, Danny. Thanks for being part of our Take 5 with RBC series. So, Black Friday and Cyber Monday are almost here. What advice do you have for Canadian shoppers who want to shop the U.S. retailers? Great question, and thanks for having me mm-hmm. on the broadcast today, Kathy. I would say do your homework first. You know, know what a good price is in U.S. compared to Canadian prices. And know your budget. Stick to it. You know, um, it's easy to go overboard. And I think when we're not factoring foreign exchange rates, it's easy to go overboard. So don't forget to add in some things too, like the cost of gas if you're going to be driving over the border, border toll fees and duty also. I always recommend checking out the CBSA the website before mm-hmm. you travel. And that way you know how much you can bring home without having to pay duty, or how much duty are you going to pay if you go over those limits. And I think if you're shopping online, you know, from your couch, or even if you're going in person, having a U.S.-based credit card can really help save money, and it'll save you on foreign transaction fees. Usually they're about 2.5%, and those are added to most foreign purchases that are bought with a Canadian credit card. So something good to know. 
And then there's online shoppers' advantages, too. They can look for sites made for Canadians that want to shop online with U.S. retailers. For example, there's one called myus.com, and it's a subscription service that Canadians can use by providing them with a U.S. address where all their purchases can be sent first before they bundle and ship them to a Canadian address. And this can save them immensely on shipping fees. RBC clients actually get this subscription service free for the first two years, so it's a great RBC cross-border shopping perk. And then I think also lastly, using a U.S.-based debit card can also be a great option. Many Canadian debit cards aren't widely accepted at U.S. retailers. There could be additional fees because it's a foreign card. And the exchange rate may not be as favorable as what people could get online when exchanging currencies themselves. So I think those are my best tips. Yeah, and great tip about, you know, a U.S. credit card to avoid some of those fees. So what do Canadians need to know about qualifying for a U.S. credit card? Great question. Many Canadians think that they wouldn't qualify. They would need credit history, income, or investments in the U.S. in order to qualify for a U.S.-based credit card. But that's not always the case. Some Canadian banks offer these U.S.-based credit cards, and they're based strictly on their Canadian credit history, income, and their assets alone. So they need nothing pre-established in the U.S. To qualify for a U.S. credit card with RBC Bank, one would only need to be an RBC client in Canada and then open our U.S.-based bank account to make monthly credit card payments from. So at RBC Bank, we offer several different platforms for clients to apply for this card and make it really easy for them to choose the channel that works best for them. So if they want to attend an RBC Canadian branch, they can do a virtual meeting with a branch advisor. They can go online to our public site and apply for the card at rbcbank.com. Or they can even go on the phone at 1-800-ROYAL-53 and they can order the card that way. In order to be the primary borrower, I think it's worth noting that the person must be 21 years of age, but they can be a co-borrower on another card with someone who is of age at age 18. What's the benefit of opening a U.S.-based bank account, and how can RBC help make cross-border banking easier? I think if you travel regularly to the U.S., and that's whether you're working, going to school, visiting family, shopping, having that U.S.-based bank account will save you time and money. There's no need to go to an ATM or a bank branch for U.S. cash before you leave. And there's no need to worry about the additional fees that are often associated with accessing money through your Canadian account. Our RBC clients actually have access to over 50,000 ATMs in all 50 United States, and they're strategically located exactly where our clients are shopping. They're at Costco, Target, Walgreens, all of those. So our cross-border transfers at RBC are free, and there's no limit to the number of transfers that can be made by our clients as they move money from one country to the other. The account is actually linked to their RBC Canadian account, so they can do transfers right in the moment at a store before they make a payment. And this account can be used to set up things like automatic payroll, U.S.-based deposits, and they can even register them to pay U.S. bills large retail stores like Kohl's and Macy's, things like that. And if clients have a U.S. cell phone plan, they can take advantage of third-party payment apps to send person-to-person payments directly to other U.S. individuals, just like we do with our Interact here in Canada. So overall, RBC really makes cross-border easy to work, play, 
stay or shop in the U.S., and we make it simpler, faster, and better. Wow, you sure do. Thank you so much for this information, Danny. And if we want to go online to look up more, we can go to rbcroyalbank.com slash U.S. Banking. Thanks again. Thanks so much for your time, Kathy. I appreciate it. Take care. The aim of marketing is to know and understand the customer so well the product or service fits him and sells itself. Peter Drucker said that. How hard is it to get to know what grandparents want? Perhaps the advertisers themselves need to look at what actual grandparents are like today instead of relying on the tropes of old. Or, as David Ogilvie said, the customer isn't a moron. She's your wife. Or maybe she's your grandma. I added that last part. Thanks to new granddad Tony Chapman for sharing his marketing and advertising knowledge with us today. And thanks to Janet Nizan for sharing her approach to healthy eating, both of which will enhance our intellectual and physical intake. And a bit of homework for you before next week's show. Have you heard the term coastal grandma? It's a fashion look, and we're going to break it down with stylist Eva Gabrizic. Why is it so popular and not just with the glamorous grandma squad? What does it look like? And is this style for you, for us? I'm so curious to find out. As well, do you know how diabetes can affect your heart? What factors increase the risk of heart disease in people with diabetes? I'm going to be talking with Dr. Alice Cheng, a specialist in diabetes care, and we're going straight to the heart of the matter. Our Take 5 with RBC series continues with an interview with Money Prep, an RBC partner. Teaching our kids and grandkids how to be financially healthy is more important than ever. Financial literacy skills matter, no matter what age they are. Equipping kids with smart money habits and foundational money skills at an early age educates and empowers them to make good money decisions as they become independent young adults. Thanks again for joining me today, whether via Zoomer Radio or the podcast. Grandparent voices matter, and you're helping me to build this beautiful community, and for that, I am thankful. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter, at Kathy Buckworth. Or email her, kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.